Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Sermons podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.crossroadstw.org. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Awesome. Great to be in the house of the Lord today. Thank you, Ryan and the team. Great job. Great job. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Man, I tell you what, we are in a sweet season. Obviously, it's uh, the Christmas season is upon us. And so, how many of you guys, uh, I mean, a lot of you guys got trees. How many of you guys, everybody, everybody got trees? Everybody have trees? Everybody got trees? Okay. If you don't have a tree, raise your hand. Let me see. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with y'all. Okay, amen. Hopefully today, this afternoon, or maybe Monday, I'm going to cop that tree. Amen. So, but there's a lot to be excited for, okay? Much, 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 much to be excited for. Here's one of them, Baylor won yesterday. Yeah, okay, I know. Yeah, a lot of Aggie fans in here. I know. Well, your time is coming. Amen. Your time is coming. But more than that, um, we actually, this past Friday, had a great opportunity to, to really pack up and send off uh, Pastor Hector and his family off to Tyler, Texas on a serious note. This is something really to be excited about. So as we drove in, come on, come on, y'all, come on. As I drove in this morning... I didn't see any cars over there. It was kind of eerie. I'm like, man, I'm sad, man. But you know what? We ought to be able to send out our best. I'm going to say it again. We ought to lead like this. Some of y'all ain't catching what I'm stepping in. We ought to be able to lead like this, be able to send out our best, not holding it back for ourselves, but saying, Lord, you have greater purposes beyond just crossroads. And so I'm thankful for that. Even Lottie Moon and the missionaries that God has allowed to come here and be a part of the church over the last several months. I'm grateful for those watching online. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we appreciate you. Let us know how we can serve you and uh, pray for you in the days ahead. Okay. So we're starting a new series uh, today entitled The Gift. Now, obviously the boxes still a little bit of that thunder, but um, I'm not going to pop out of one of these boxes one Sunday and start preaching. So don't worry about that. All right. Don't, that'd be cool, but your boy ain't doing that. Amen. So, but, um, but we're going to start a new series starting today. I'm excited for this series, not just because it's Christmas, um, but because of what the Lord has done in my heart and as a teaching team, what we begin to discover, um, I, I, we really believe that the Lord doesn't want us to have a white Christmas, but he desires for you and I to have a right Christmas. In other words, we have romanticized Christmas and the season and what it means over the, over the years. And say so over the last 20, 30 years, it become, there's nothing wrong with it. Traditions are great. But I'm saying what we've done is it's kind of become this sentimentalism or this Hallmark vibe. Sorry if you love your Hallmark movies. Amen. Don't stone me. All right. So, but, but it's become this Hallmark vibe. And, and even in our own family, I'm like, man, we've kind of gotten away from some things and just want to get back to what's right. What does this thing really mean? What is the real ultimate meaning? Why did, why did the creator of the world house himself in flesh? And one great theologian would call it kenosis. He emptied himself. He set aside his, his divine rights, if you want to call it that, so that you and I may be redeemed and have a way back to the Father. So here it is, the gift. Today, what we're going to do is look at the gift of hope. The gift of hope. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1. We're going to read three verses. You may say, well, Pastor, why hope again, right? We just left a series called Hope Again. Why so much hope? Well, if you turn on TV like I turn on TV, we need some hope. Amen. But today is going to be a little bit different. Bookends. God, you're going to see something in the text today. You're going to see this. That God is the initiator. 
He's the one who transforms, but he's also the sustainer. As we look at the manger, as we look at uh, the manger in Bethlehem, I think the Lord really wants us to really know again afresh who dwells, who decided to house himself in such a way in human flesh in a manger that we again afresh can say, Lord, okay, this is all about you. We want to get this thing right, not just have a white Christmas. We want to get it right. So again, like I said a little while ago, we, we just kind of treat it as this sentimental, sentimentalism and we just kind of got tradition. Some of us, there's going to be pain this season. There's a new normal for many of us. Maybe we've lost loved ones. Maybe the divorce is final. And so I mean, just saying this new normal, right? This is kind of this new, this is what it's going to be like. And so starting out, we, we want to hopefully have sound theology that leads to sound duty. You say, Marcus, what are you, what are you getting after? What are you giving after? Here it is, the hope, of, the hope that we have in Jesus. And it means this, hope by nature implies hopelessness. As we talked about the gift of hope, we're going to talk about unpack it, looking at John's account of the beginning, Jesus' birth story. We're going to actually look at it here. But hope in and of itself, it implies, embedded in the, the recesses of the word, you see this idea of hopelessness. To mention that there's a need for hope, it argues that something is actually void or something is lacking or simply there's a need. It's like the backdrop of a diamond when you go to a jeweler, uh, kind of like this backdrop, it kind of it makes everything pop out a little bit more. When you go to a jeweler, I remember when I bought Mandy's ring, Boy, I was broken a joke. Boy, amen. Y'all remember that? Y'all know them days, right? Just paid it cash and had no credit. Amen. So anyway, but man, I went in and uh, just boom. But they, they tricked me. They got me. So what they did is they know the lights and how they're all set up in this place. And so they brought out this black cloth. Boom. And I was like, okay, what's the need for the black cloth? And then they brought the, the ring out. Pow, popped their ring on that black cloth, that cloth. And I was like, I mean, it was the best thing since sliced bread. I was so happy. I was like, oh my gosh, look at this deal. And they begin to move it and turn it. But the backdrop just stayed there. But they just, they focus on the diamond. Here's the essence of this series. Here's the essence of this season. Here's the essence of your Christian walk. On the backdrop of eternity, on the backdrop of history, you and I, what we bring to the table, and this is where we got to come back to the real meaning of this. We don't want to just have a white Christmas. The Lord wants us to have a, a right Christmas. In other words, he wants us to live this truth from, yes, Bethlehem's manger. He wants you and I to live this truth beyond Bethlehem into the 21st century. And so in other words, the backdrop, what we bring to the table is we bring sin. And so in other words, for us to really appreciate the diamond, for us to really appreciate the gift, and in other words, for us to appreciate what Jesus has done for you and I, we have to really look at the bad stuff. I know you're like, man, I don't want to come here to hear that. Well, it's the truth. It's the backdrop. Here's a working definition of what hope really means. Biblically, hope is not wishful thinking. It's not wishful thinking. It's not, I wish, I just wish. We don't serve a God of wishing. We don't serve a, a Las Vegas God. Rather, biblical hope is a reality and not a feeling. Did y'all hear me say that? It's a reality, and we're going to see this today. Again, remember, he's the initiator. He's the first missionary. He's the, the one who desires to transform you and I, but then also he's a sustainer. We're going to see this in a, in a minute. So it's not feelings. Biblical hope carries no doubt. You say, Marcus, come on, man. I doubt sometimes, but when we press into the reality of what Jesus has done, we will have less doubt. 
Biblical hope is a sure foundation upon which we base our lives. Jesus. So let's look at it this morning. John chapter 1, 1 through 3. It's going to be a little bit different, by the way. Let me just let y'all know something. It's going to be different. It's not going to be a normal sermon. We'll be a little more theology. I'm going to dig into the Trinity just a little bit, the transcendence of God, his character. It's going to be a little different. It's, going to be a little, just, it's not going to be, you know, just, hey, here come the angels. Here come the little wise men, you know, all the little animals in the manger. Or he'd have a place to stay. Yes, that is great. And we're going to implement that during this series. Some of y'all are like, I just got to hear that. Well, you're going to hear it, okay? But I think really the Lord wants us to because what we're going to discover in this text as we read it, this is not only a foundation for what we believe, it's the springboard for you and I on how we ought to live beyond the Christmas season. John says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. I love this language. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Sound like a tongue twister, doesn't it? So in other words, out of the gate, what John wants us to know is this, that Jesus, he is the eternal word of God. Jesus is the eternal word of God. So what do you mean? Let's make it clear on what he's actually saying. We just left the series entitled Hope Again. We just left the series before that entitled Blueprint. Now, what we're arguing and what the Lord wants us to know here for you and I, the real crust of your life is this. We can have big topics like depression, anxiety, and worry, and even exhaustion and discouragement. But if we don't have a healthy understanding of what Jesus, who he is, and this is what John is after. Not necessarily his lineage, not necessarily all this other stuff, which is cool, the genealogies, but he wants us to see who Jesus really is and what he accomplished. This is why we tell people when they give their life to Christ, one of the first books you ought to read is what? The book of what? John. What did he actually accomplish? So here it is. He's the eternal word of God. He wants us to know this is the foundation. Again, you can have all these cool things about depression and other things or even, even regards to our marriages and God's design for the marriage. But if we don't have a thorough foundation on what we believe, that can easily fall apart. It was once said that a man... Uh, had a guy come in and check his house. He noticed that, and this is really prevalent in Dallas, by the way, the, the foundational stuff. And so this guy came in one day, had a guy come check his, his house, and he noticed these cracks in the corner. He's like, hey, man, I got to call somebody. See what's cracking with the cracks, okay? And uh, let's check this thing out. And so what happened is they, they began to, the guy checked it out. He began to plaster it up. He got the paint. He matched the paint. He painted it back up. All the good stuff he left, gave the guy his invoice and bounce. Everything was good. He was like, man, I'm happy. There's no cracks on my walls. Then what happened that uh, maybe a couple weeks went by, these cracks came back with cousins, nieces, and nephews. They came in more cracks, right? So he called the same guy out, same guy come with the same procedure. He looked at it, plastered it up, sanded everything down, began to paint it up again, and he gave him an invoice and said, here, okay, you're good to go. So the guy was satisfied. He was excited. No more cracks. And then it happened again. So the guy showed up a third time and he said, hey, sir, I just want to let you know something. There's something beyond, there's something beyond just what you see here. You have a foundation issue. Your foundation has been shaken. And so for many of us in, the, in 2020, in 2021, I just want to keep it real. This is the reality that in which we live in. Our foundations have been shaken. And so this is why I really believe the Lord and our teaching team, we really believe, and Pastor Carlos right now is preaching the same thing at our Spanish church, 
That the Lord doesn't really, he's not really concerned about the white Christmas. He's more concerned about you and I having a right Christmas. In other words, highlighting the truth about who Jesus really is. Because again, it's become a hallmark, cookie cutter, cotton candy vibe. Unlike the other gospel accounts, we notice this, that John doesn't start with the, the normal genealogy, right? All the broken people. You got robbers, murderers, liars. You got prostitutes in this crazy genealogy of Jesus. It's pretty cool because you can actually put your name in there too. Like, like all, we, we tend to highlight these people, but Jesus came literally to, to save the lost and the broken. So he, he starts a little bit different. In other words, he's saying, Jesus, in the beginning, he borrows Genesis 1 and 1. John says, I know my boys, Luke, Mark, and Matthew. I, I love them. They're my guys. I'm just going to twist it just a little bit on the backdrop of sin and the reality of why Jesus has come to the earth. I'm going to turn the diamond of his deity, and I want the people to actually see what he has accomplished and who he is. And so here it is. He says, in the beginning, I'm borrowing from Moses back in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, in other words, he's saying, this is what it looked like. Jesus is transcendent. God is transcendent. You say, Marcus, what does transcendent mean? It means this, that he's in a category all by himself. Have you ever thought about this? Like God is in a category all by himself. You can't put him in another category. He's wholly other. He's self-existing. He has no starting point, nor does he have an ending point. But this is the hope that you, I mean, this is why we got to talk about how he's the initiator. He's also the one that transforms, but then also we're going to see at the end, he's the one who sustains. Now, he's transcendent, so that means he exists above, now there's different thoughts in this. There's going to be a lot of theology, so just stay with me here. There's different thoughts out there that say that God is in time. The Bible really doesn't teach that. Yes, he permeates time. Time works for him. He created time to do what time was created to do, and that's reveal things. Time works for him. Now, so God exists above his creation. In other words, he's distinct from his creation. How do you know this, Marcus? Well, Isaiah 55 says his thoughts are way different than what? Whose thoughts? Our thoughts. Now, we gotta, we, we're really just building this theological case to see who was in a manger. So here it is. Not only that, is he distinct in his thoughts? He's distinct in his personhood. In other words, Psalm 50 and 21 says he's unlike man in his deity. He's just unlike man, like you and I. In Psalm 97 and 9 talks about how he's exalted far above all the earth. Excuse me, this is Psalm 99 and 2. He's exalted above all the, the earth, above all lowercase g gods, and then above all peoples. Don't you know that when it's all over and Lord have mercy, that day is going to be beautiful. That at the end of the day, every, every name uh, will not matter, but the only name that's going to matter is the name of Jesus when we get to heaven. Like we, we, we so made it about all this other stuff. When we get to the other side, the only name that's going to matter is Jesus Christ. And so he's distinct other than any other person or any other name. And so this is why it's important that you and I, we must know theology. And this is why John starts this way. In the beginning, let's not mess around with this. In the beginning was the word. We'll deal with that in a little bit. But it's important that you and I know what we believe. Do you know that one of the most, there's several things that has happened in the church over the years. One is this. The lack of discipleship is one. We saw that in 2020. Christians, we went crazy. Am I, am I the only one in the room? People you thought you knew went 5150 on you. 
I'm, tell, I'm, I'm telling you, because I know people, because I'm one. Amen. People in my own family go crazy. I thought I knew you. I guess I don't. But not only that, like a discipleship, a small view of Christology, the doctrine of Jesus Christ, his personhood, his mission, his deity. But here's another one. You ready? Biblical illiteracy. In the beginning, this is, I really believe the Lord wants us to have, yes, a cute little, I'm not bashing Christmas, God. I'm not a humbug man. I'm not that guy. But I really believe in our culture, the Lord wants us to get this one right. Like he wants us to get this one right. Because I think a lot of times, even in my life, I find myself keeping little baby Jesus as a baby in my maturation walk even. So what that means is I can tell babies, y'all know this, you have a little baby, you tell a baby what to what? What to wear. You tell a baby what to eat. Sometimes a baby lets you know they ain't vibing with it, but you know, you still kind of tell them what to eat. You tell a baby where to go. Me and Mandy, what we used to do back in the day, I think I told y'all this, we would, um, if Sarai, when she was a baby, when she was asleep, y'all know car seats, man, a car seat can be like a little baby heaven. So when they would be, she'd be asleep and we're driving, we'll pull into the house and she was still asleep. You, you always try to open the doors real quietly like, and you see the babies kind of do a little movie like, don't move, don't move, chick. Stop. And you'd be able to get out. You can pop the little car seat out. Now, why do they make car seats so hard? Clank, 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 right? Like, dang. You get like a little yank, yeah, and then go right back to bed. So we'd get that baby inside. We'll put Sarai in her room, and we'll close that door. And I don't know why, but why doors always go, just, you've already put enough WD-40 on them. But they decide just out of nowhere, go, ah, man, come on, man. You didn't do that last week, right? So here it is. Bang, close the door. Because you know why? As parents, we can tell the baby what to do and where to sleep. If you think about it, say, Marcus, that's kind of cute and funny. But let me tell you something. We, we function like that. As Christians, we function like that when it comes to Jesus. And John is saying, uh, uh, he's holy other. He's in a whole other category because he's in the beginning. He's self-existing. He deserves more weight and more ground in our hearts and our lives than what we give him. So this is why it's important that you and I know what we believe. That's why he wants us to get it right. In other words, it's important that um, you know your theology. This is why we're dealing with transcendence. We're going to deal with hypostatic union just a little bit. But this is why we have to know what we believe. It's like the grown man in a kiddie pool with floaties on. <laughs> something wrong with that picture. <laughs> My man like, yeah, something wrong with that picture. Something wrong with that picture. Splashing. Having a good time high-fiving other little kids. Something's wrong with that picture, saints. But that's like us even in the culture today. The Lord wants us to go deeper. He wants us to go beyond sentimentalism. He wants you and I to go way beyond commercialism. He wants us to go way beyond just surface Christianity. He wants you and I to get it right, not just to have a white. So here it is. This is the case. You may say, I don't know. Theology is for everybody else. It's for you, pastor. It's for other people. But it really, theology is for you. Here's what I mean. If the spirit of God lives inside of you, if you're a believer, you are, you are a resident theologian. 
Have you ever thought about this? Just think about this. The same spirit that was hovering over the waters of the earth, the Bible says, was a part of creation with the Father and the Son. Here it is. If he is in you, that means you have all you need. The question is, he, you have all you need, but the question is, does he have all of you? So the Bible says that Jesus is, he was with God. In the beginning was the word, so he was already there. I love the casing. He was already there, and the word was with God. That word with, if you want to circle it, it means face to face. Look at the intimacy. Look at um, the preeminence of your Savior, the preeminent of the one who what deity and diapers at some point will actually be. He was face to face with the Father. And I love it because he took the first initiative. It's amazing that gifts are amazing. Why? Because gifts are received and not earned. I mean, it's just the nature of this whole, this whole season. They're received, not achieved. And this is the good picture. This is the hope you and I have. In the beginning, God took the initiative. God took the initiative. It's like my daughter saying, look, Dad, we bought you a gift. Really? You bought me a gift? Well, what money? Right? <laughs> what money? We got you a gift. Ooh, we got you a gift. Who's money? Who's money? And matter of fact, all the money in the piggy bank is still mine too, right? <laughs> Everything's mine. That's the point. We don't do anything. What we bring to the table, saints, is this. You ready? We bring sin. We bring sin to the table. And Jesus is saying, look, I'm willing to. Yes, they were so bad off, I had to actually come in the flesh to die for them. But they're also so loved at the same time that I wanted to die for them. This is the beauty of this season. And the Bible says that he was face to face with God, but also he highlights he was the word. Now, this is interesting because the word means this. It's the word logos. It's the word logos. In other words, it's like John is saying, in the beginning was Jesus, but Jesus being the word is the tangible expression of all that God is. So the thoughts that are on the Father's mind, we see in HD, high clarity, 4K, we see it in the person of Jesus Christ. We see his heart, we see his mind, we see his will. When we look at Jesus, him being the word, Jesus is the reasoning behind everything, behind God's intent. Stay with me here. He is also the explanation. Some of you are going, man, you have to go back and watch this later, but this is what it's all about. This is his gospel account. This is what he's trying to tell you and I. He reveals the invisible God to you and I. There's three different words for Greek, for the Greek word, word. Three different words. You ready? Graphe is the first one. Say graphe. Here's the part of he's, he's eternal. He's, he took the first initiative, but then he desires to transform you and I. This whole word is not some, some lofty word that's left for academia in some classroom. The word logos means it's very personal. So yes, he's transcended. He's holy other. But what John is trying to let us know as well, the word we're going to see in John 1.14 became flesh like you and us, but... He wants to walk with you. The word will literally transform you. So graphe is the first one. Logos is the second one, which we see in this text. And then rhema is the, second, uh, the third one. Here's graphe. Graphe is only, y'all heard me say this before, graphe is only the, the ink on the pages. Stay with me here. This, I didn't make this up. This is from the original language. The writers knew something. Graphe is just the ink on these pages. And many of us in the room, 
This is, this is the extent of our Christian walk. Graphe. When the Lord has given you and I logos. In other words, it, we, 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 we stay right with graphe. We put a nice big old coffee Bible, uh, a coffee table Bible on our coffee table. Y'all know them big ones with the big old pictures? Remember the ones at grandma's house? Y'all remember that one? Anybody? Y'all remember that? Anybody? But you put that big old Bible, nobody read it. Just to keep it real. Put that big old Bible on the coffee table and just feel as if, man, my house is sanctified now. No, it ain't. Or what about this? Grafe needs to progress a little bit more, but Grafe is like me saying, I put my Bible in my glove compartment in my car, so now my car is sanctified. Y'all know I probably need a whole bag and box of Bibles in my car based on my driving. Amen. But it doesn't work that way. You see, graphe is just the ink. Logos is the meaning of the graphe. So in other words, what the Lord wants us to see through the writer John is saying, look, yes, you have graphe, you have a copy of God's word. The word will become flesh, but here it is. The word just didn't become any old type of thing. The word became just like you and I, but not even beyond that. He died for you and I, but then he gives us his own self that the logos will literally dwell within you and I so that he can transform you and I. And how does he transform you and I? He transforms us through his word. This is all the word, the, the spirit will never tell you to do something contrary to the word of God. Man, the, the, the Lord told me to do this. Some old crazy stuff off in left field. No, he didn't because if they ain't in the word, the Lord didn't tell you to do that. Because here it is, the spirit brings um, glory to the son and the son brings glory to the father. And here's what I want to tell you. You, if you have the spirit of God living inside of you, you are a theologian in residency. But not only that, you get the logos, you get the meaning. Ah, that's when you watch a sermon, you go, ooh, I got it. Or you read something, go, ooh, I get it. Well, you're getting the, you're getting the meaning of the graphene. Then lastly, it's the rhema. It's the rhema. That's the application. That's beyond just having the book on the table, beyond just hearing a sermon, but it's also saying, okay, God, what, is you, what are you asking me to do this, this Christmas season? What should I do in response to this actual sermon? So we see that he's face to face, but then only that, we, have, we know that this great God, all we bring to the table is sin. This great God, he took the first initiative, he took the first step to redeem you and I. He becomes like you and I. Think of this, he's creator, He's creator of all things. Think of this. This is how my mind thinks. He's the creator of all things. And then he, he becomes a baby in, in the context of creation. How he, the humility of this. Y'all see what I'm saying here? To redeem you and I. So here it is. He wants to transform you, but you got to cooperate with him. And what happens is you and I, we know that he's our redeemer. We know we have salvation, but that kind of stops there. Many of us, we... We close the door when it comes to evangelism. So if the Lord is transforming you, naturally what happens, if he's transforming you, your heart will begin to beat and pound for the things that his heart beat and pounds for. In other words, other people sharing the gospel. And this text actually helps you fight off, if you will, false religions. So a lot of times we wonder, man, I don't know what to say. You go, Marcus, how do you shift from there? Because the text literally goes there. In the beginning... In the beginning, in the beginning, it, it confronts every world religion, evolution, it, it confronts. In the beginning was God. In the beginning, it wasn't like a big box of Legos that I can have and shake up, open it up and throw it out, and then it just builds a city. 
Doesn't happen that way. Last time I checked. This text actually argues against evolution. Not only that, what about Jehovah's Witness? Jehovah's Witness will read this text and say, in the beginning um, was the word or, and, and, or God was a God or Jesus was a God, lowercase g, but not definite article, the God. So they kind of dumb down, if you will, the deity of Jesus Christ. And well, that's not the case. We see in this text, in the beginning. What about Mormonism? And many would say, if you look at Mormonism, if you put Christianity and Mormonism side by side, they almost look, they almost look similar. Mormons believe in a lot of things that Christians believe in. They even believe in the resurrection. They believe in other things. But a brother by the name of uh, Joseph Smith in 1830 came along and kind of messed some stuff up. Do we know Mormonism? It's, it's not it. It's so in the beginning. In the beginning. What about Islam? Came 600 years after Christianity had already started. Islam came 600 years after. In the beginning. You see how the Lord, not only just, I know that I'm saved, I'm going to spend time with him. I hope this message ministers to somebody. I know that he loves me, he saves me, but also he transformed me to be a vessel and a light for him to speak toward, towards truth to other cultures. But then not only that, he sustains me as well. We're going to see that in a little bit, but here it is. Not just Islam, but also agnostics. Agnostics just say, hey, look, oh, nobody knows. The text says in the beginning. What about atheists? There's no way. One of the major hiccups for, athe for atheists is this, is that they have the problem of evil. Well, I might believe in God if God, um, but, but, but why, do he, why, why does he allow so much evil? Well, why don't he do something about it if he's God? That's, their, that's one of their biggest arguments. Well, he did do something about it. In the beginning, he had a plan. In the beginning, he died for your sins. As a matter of fact, the Bible says Jesus was slain before the foundations of the earth. What about Catholicism? Emphasis on Mary and these other saints. That's cool and all, but, and I really believe, I said this in the first hour, I really believe there's some, some genuinely saved Catholic people. I really believe that. You heard me say that. But if the focus is on Mary and other saints elevating them, then that's when it gets twisted. And by the way, there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Jesus. In the beginning. Y'all see this? This is, this is, what about new age thinking? That's Oprah Winfrey's camp. Look within, I'm just keeping it real, y'all. This, this text deals with this. Look within yourself. Find some good. Look in there. Rick, look in there, Doc. Look behind, tuck behind that kidney. Maybe you find something good. Nope. My man said nope. Look, look in. Look within. This is what the New Age thought and, 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 and just theology is. Look within and you'll find something good inside of you. But remember, if this is the gift of hope, hope entails that there's hopelessness. And the backdrop that you and I bring to this whole deal is we bring sin. So Jesus had to come. Why? Because we were so messed up. We should be in awe of him and see how awful we are. Now, you can keep going. They're like, man, this is not the Christmas message I wanted to hear. Well, I'm sorry. I told you there wasn't going to be no Hallmark junk here today. Not today. Not today. Not going to happen. 
Mm-mm. We got to get it right. So but not only is, is he the eternal word of God, Jesus, John goes on as we land the plane. He talks about how the fact that he's creator. And this is interesting. So he's the initiator of salvation. He wants to transform you and I, the Logos. Go beyond graphe. We got to get beyond that in your spiritual walk. I don't know where you're at. But God wants you to get the actual logos, the meaning of the graphe, so that you can actually apply the rhema. He wants you and I to actually walk in the truth. He will transform you in ways that you never thought you would be transformed. I'm, I'm serious, guys. So but he's also creator. Look at verse 3. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So what are you saying? If you were asked this question, what was the greatest manifestation of God's power? All of us in this room, we'd probably come up with different answers. Some would probably say um, creation. Some would say his miracles. Others would say uh, maybe uh, the cross, maybe the resurrection. You know, studying this, this passage and just there's a theological concept in reality called the hypostatic union. And basically it means this. Stay with me, guys. You got you to deal with this stuff. It basically means that Jesus, yes, in the beginning, God had a plan to redeem you and I, to make provision for you and I to be made right again with the Father. Know that. So Christmas is beyond just marveling what's under the tree. We ought to, now as a season, as we get it right, we ought to marvel on the one who hung on the tree. So hypostatic union is this, is that Jesus, from the beginning, God, eternal, wraps himself in flesh, sarks, and within his nature, inside of his body, was two natures. And in his body, these two natures had no division, no separation, no isms, and no fighting. Why? In complete harmony to pull off salvation. Now, this is, what, this is crazy. Why? Because he's creator, and that means this, is that some people believe that resurrection is easier to believe than even this whole deal. Like, man, God, you really, you pulled this off? See, again, this is what I'm saying. We, we sometimes treat Christmas as this cool little thing. We kind of blow through it. Think about the reality of what took place and what's taking place for you and I. Well, some would say he's the glue of the galaxies. He's the glue. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a purpose. If he's the creator and everything was created through him, everything has a purpose. Look at this. Anybody know what this is? My man said a torture device. <laughs> no, online, we're not, um, ad, we're not talking about torture devices. Amen. So, but here it is. This is an apple pillar. Right? Doesn't it look like a torture device, doesn't it? This is a simple apple pillar. What you do? Pop. You pop this bad boy down on this bam, bam, and you kind of clamp it. This clamps it down. Oh, it should have, but it's, it's supposed to clamp down. You stick the apple in here. Boom. And then what happens, you set this little concoction piece here, and you begin to twirl it like this. And here's the funny thing. It will actually begin to peel the apple, the outer layer and skin, and then it'll make these slices, and it would be banging too, like bang, good slices. See the juice falling off? Some of y'all mouth salivating right now. But it'll make the slices, but it'll also do this. It removes the core. So to remove, so now you just, I mean, how easy, some of y'all are like, ooh, I'm getting one of them, put it on my Christmas list, right? <laughs> if God can do this with an apple pillar, and the funny thing, it says back to the basics. If God can do this with an apple pillar, what can he do as creator? What can he do in your life? 
think of this. Some of us, we have just too small of a view of who Jesus is. A low expectation of what he can do. And in this text, the Lord is saying, through the apostle John in the beginning. That's the gift. So, I don't know if Mandy's listening. If you're out there, babe, you can go ahead and bring Naomi in. But he's, he's the sustainer. He's sustainer. He's creator, but he's also sustainer. He's sustainer of all things. So in other words, we should not be so caught up with the gifts, but the greatest gift that keeps on, y'all have heard this before, that keeps on giving. It's the birth of Jesus Christ. It's funny because many times we, we look at a text like this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and we kind of go, man, what, what, what? What are you saying? We need to know what we believe, guys. I mean, at the end of the day, we need to know what we believe. And we need to know that this God that holds all things together is the same God that desires for you and I in this season, not just to get it, not just to have a white Christmas, but to get it right. That he, like, hear me say this. He wants, he holds you. Come on, big girl. He holds you. Come on, sweetie pie. Mm. We made sure the first hour she had some, some shorts on on the first one. We had to make sure. I'm a realist. I'm a realist. Okay? She good. But this is the picture. So, so as we talked about God being in the beginning, this great sovereign king, students, hear me say this. This great God, I mean, think about all of the intricacies of creation. This great God desires to hold you. So yes, he provides for salvation, which we know about. That's why we're in this season. We sing all the great songs. But listen, to it. look at this. Salvifically, he wants to transform you. If you let the word deal with you, but also he's saying, look, Marcus, let him know this. Does your walk with him look like this? Simple, like just in the arms of your savior. You say, I, no, I got to figure things out myself. No, he's saying, let me hold you. I, I'm worried about all these other things that's in the future. No, let me hold you. Because Colossians 1 talks about he holds all things together. He is the, the glue to the cosmos. Some of us, maybe marital issues, let him hold you. Maybe it's job stuff, let him hold you. Some of y'all wondering, is this the church for me? Let, let him hold you. Some of y'all don't want to deal with your family this, this holiday season, let him hold you. Does this, is this a picture of your family? You and the Lord. Is this it? Is this it? So, Lord, we do thank you. Thank you that in the beginning, you had it already done. Forgive us, O oh God, when we think that we can add things to your truth. But thank you for this season where we can actually strip back and make it about you all over again. So, Lord, thank you that you are the, the initiator. You take the first step. We see it in your word. The Bible says that in the beginning, in the beginning, in the beginning. But not only that, Lord, you desire to transform us. Help us to graduate beyond grafe so we can get the logos and we get Jesus. And then we'll know how to walk in the, in the rhema. But Lord, but in this room, I know right now and online, I know a lot of us were saying, Lord, I want you to, I, I need you to hold me. What a great picture. 
This season, maybe God is saying, I want to hold you. This is not overdoing it. This is a real reality. This is the gospel truth. Will you let him hold you? For some of us, it may be salvation. You've been trusting in your own works and maybe some of the other religions that were listed earlier and saying, nope, that's not going to cut it. What the work is this. The work has been done on Calvary. Jesus was born to die. And by grace through faith, you can have a relationship with, with the Father again through Jesus. So today, maybe that's you. You need to say, look, hold me, Jesus. I'm coming to you. Your arms are open. I'm running to you for salvation, for the forgiveness of my sins. I need you. And maybe the other person is baptism. I'm in this walk with the Lord, but I'm not letting them hold me. And so I'm kind of doing my own thing. He said, no, let me hold you. If I'm holding you, I'm Lord. I'm not your Savior. I'm your Lord. Will you let me hold you? Will you trust my heart? But then maybe some of you are saying, man, I need, to, I need to be a part of the church. I need to be a part of what God is doing. I need to get plugged in somewhere. He's saying, let me hold you. So Lord, again, thank you for this moment. Thank you for this season. As a church here and those watching online, I pray, Lord, that we will not get so caught up. Yes, we want to have fun. You want us to have fun. Yes, yes. But you also want us to get it right. So, Lord, will you please hold us? The great creator, the great transformer, and the great sustainer. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' name.